Wellington. Oh. Kiota Wellington. This is B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. It's stories of the people who make Wellington tick. I'm Laura. I'm Perrine. In the second half of the show today, we are talking to Murdoch Stevens, who is a writer and editor at Lawrence and Gibson Publishing, which is a local publishing collective. Kia ora, Murdoch. Kia ora. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming along. Um, you want to add anything to that intro there? There's a f- <laughs> uh, we, I, I don't know. Maybe when I was more of a punk kid, we used to have different names. I think at one point, um, we were going to be Lawrence and Gibson and Sons. Um, and then it was going to be Lawrence and Gibson Multipurpose um, Cooperative Society Limited. I think I saw that on a sign in um, West Bengal. Yeah. And, yeah, I thought, that sounds like the kind of publishing collective I'd like to be, multipurpose. Right. <laughs> um, and then I guess we fooled around, you know, because if you're doing press releases and there's not a lot of money in publishing or in other forms of media, um, you might as well mess around with things because, what, are you going to lose sales or something? So I've been an intern. I've been editor-in-chief, chief editor. Oh, um, yeah. See what yeah, you did just, there. I don't know. I guess that seems like it's fun in the end, like, <laughs> while I'm writing out these press releases, which are also supposed to have some, I don't know, capacity to interest you media folk in what we do. <laughs> So shall we get into um, what you're doing there? And maybe we can start with the name. It sounds like, from what I understand of you guys, you seem a kind of like not an exactly an establishment um, publishing collective. No, we are the only, we are the establishment (laughs) publishing collective. We are New Zealand's most imminent publishing collective. There is no other publishing collective that I am aware of. Okay. Um, that exists. Okay, so in the publishing world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but your name is this very kind of old-fashioned sounding um, name. How did you get to that? Well, we have been around um, since the last decade. Yes. 14 years now. 14? Yeah, so I oh. think we've earned our um, Lawrence and Gibson old man stripes. <laughs> um, we started because the first book we released, um, I read online. They had the internet back then in 2005, I kind of remember. And there was some crappy GeoCities page that said, oh, whatever you do when you're starting out publishing, don't call your publisher your own name. I was like, hey, that's a really good idea. Was um, there a rationale for that? Um, yeah, because it's with your first book, especially if you're um, putting out books um, that you've done yourself. You, it just makes you seem real. Uh, what's the term? Chintzy, you know, like it's all just done off the back of a ute. Um, right. Whereas these, you know, old men have invested in the oh, work yeah. of the publishing <laughs> collective or something. Well, it sort of came out of there was an electronic artist who was called Phelps and Munro, and he released an album called Slowpoke in two thousand three or four. And I was kind of chuffed when I learned that that was just one person. Um, I'm not sure if maybe the the reason who the Phelps, who the Munro was. So I was sort of like, okay, you can do this. You can make up your own world. Yeah. Um, Could there be a Lawrence and Gibson and son or <laughs> yeah. and children? <laughs> I, I guess there certainly could be. <laughs> yeah, there was one point where I was going to try and um, break Lawrence and Gibson up um, and be like Lawrence and Sons and have a whole narrative around. Because oh. there's quite a lot of meta-narrative in some of the writing um, that gets done there and some of the associated paraphernalia. Um, but it never happened. I guess I just got lazy. Had Good other still. things to do. 
Yeah, I guess it could still happen. Mm. But now, you know, we're so respected. 14 years, shortlisted <laughs> for 15. Novel of the Year last year. Yeah, is it 15? It was 2005. Okay. So next year will be our 15th okay. year. B- birthday episode, maybe. Um, so <laughs> let's reel it back to the basics. Uh, no way. I'm going to be one of those interview <laughs> subjects, which you cannot control. Yeah, it's impossible. Um, I'm just going to go off on a tangent. So, Sorry. But, but Novel of the Year. So you publish novels. So yeah. Is that what you publish, basically? Oh, good. Good. Yeah, good angle. Yeah, we, got, yeah. we got there. Yeah, we only publish novels. Um, I don't know. I guess I used to be more of a shit about things like this. We've done a short story collection. We did a, a thing of haiku news poems that Dick White and one of his friends in the States did. Um, but other than that, novels. Um, I guess I just like novels as a form more than other things. And I like the challenge of writing a novel rather than something that you can write in one session. There's something like if you get to the end of writing a novel, then you've really committed to it, whereas you can write a poem while you're waiting in a car park. Um, I don't know. This is I don't have skin in the game anymore to argue this with people, but I used to get drunk and argue with people about this. Um, <laughs> about the superior form of literature? Yeah, yeah. It used to be a thing that maybe if I got real drunk now, we could have an argument. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean right now. I meant like, you know. You know, at an appropriate time. Later, <laughs> after the show, as we usually do, get a bit drunk after the show. Oh, yeah. What do you drink usually? Um, just testing just if you're bluffing or not. things that are soothing for the, for the vocal cords. Mm. Hot daddies. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That sounds like it's genuinely true. It's not just fronting that you're tough and drinking. That's, yeah. That's radio professionals for you. Um, so, in your 15 years or so of doing this, you've got a few titles done by, published by now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 25 titles, yeah. I think we did. A 25th one this year. Um, it kind of comes and goes. Like, I've been overseas for about four of those 14 years. And so sometimes a book will get released then by other members of the collective. Um, this year I've, and last year, I've been real busy. So we've only been doing one each year for the last two years. But before that, we had a few more. Mm. Um, and they're doing really well. So there's all this follow-up stuff you have to do, like keeping them in stock and selling them and sending them to people, um, which takes a lot of effort. Like Sometimes I'd like to just release the books and then have them not sell at all so I don't have to do any more work on it. Can you tell us about the novel of the year last year? Yeah, it was shortlisted for Novel of the yeah. Year. It was one of four. Your um, Novel of the Year. It was a Novel of the Year, <laughs> yeah. Although it came out the year before, it was Branavan Yanalingam's Sodden Downstream, um, which is a novel about a Tamil Sri Lankan woman who's on a zero-hours contract in the central city, and it's a day a bit like this day, full of wind and rain. A bit more rain it was one we had about four years ago where... Um, the roads were washed out and she had no way to get into Wellington City to do her job. And her boss was this real bastard who said, well, if you don't get in, we're going to have to, you know, let you go. So it's a sort of epic um, adventure where she has to get through the pouring rain walking into the city. Uh, so this did really well. It was a, one of our best sellers we've ever had. And... Yeah, it was short, well, long-listed and then short-listed for, they have, the, what's the name, the Ockham New Zealand Acorn Foundation novel or fiction book of the year. So it was one of four books. Pip Adams' book won that year. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Animals, I think yeah. it was called. Yeah. Which is a great book. 
Um, but we got to, yeah, hang out with all the... I think everyone else was published by Victoria University Press <laughs> at it. So we got to sort of, you know, pretend we were going to win to try and scare them, but they were pretty sure that, you know, they got three chances and four. And it was still nice to be there. And yeah. Can you tell us a bit about the collective, like how many of you are there are and how, what does it take to be a member? And like what, what makes it a collective versus, I don't know, just a normal publishing company? Yeah, okay. I could, but it'd be more mysterious if I didn't tell you, eh? Because <laughs> that's what it's all about. People are like, shit, there's a collective publishing books. It's like a secret They're all club. pals, and then they... Yeah, but th this is a radio show, and I agreed to tell you our secrets, so I will tell you how many of us there are. Um, probably easy to answer the collective part first. So we sort of work on a project-by-project -project basis, Um get a book sent in and I guess since I'm the intern chief editor um, as well as Bran um, sort of look at the book and think is this something that would suit our sort of mode of publishing the kind of novels we publish um, and if it is then we get a collective around that particular author in terms of editing designing and then putting the books together um, and sometimes that'll be people that the author knows like they have a lot of autonomy in the design of the books, what they look like. So Sharon Lamb, who did Lonely Asian Woman, which we put out earlier this year, uh, did the photography for her own book. And I think she even did the text layout of it. And so then we brought in an editor, both Bran and I edited it, but we also got CNZ funding to get an external editor, um, who's not a part of the collective because we paid them, but everyone else is kind of this sort of menagerie of people who have done stuff with us over the years. Um, like there's a guy who's uh, uh, Paul Neeson who works at National Park. He's a designer and animator. And he's been he's probably designed half of our book covers. Um, so we brought him in to basically contract, to basically bought him a bottle of whiskey for some advice on how to um, do the design a little more beautiful than my design. But since it sort of started with a bunch of friends who had moved to Wellington from Dunedin, who we'd all gone to university together, and a couple of other people we met here who were interested in writing and editing and, and distributing books. It sort of waned and grown. So if you look at the sort of, I'd say, like, it's really hard to know who is inside it and who's not. Like, you know, there are some people who are really good at using the guillotine and the binding machine um, in Rebel Press where we bind them. And there are others who aren't that interested in it. But if you look at the people we've published recently, Thomas and Slay and Sharon Lamb, Branna Vignana Lingham, Ridian Thomas, they're all people we've published in the last few years, plus myself and a couple of designers and editors we go to. Um, yeah, so to be a part of it, you have to have a book or be willing to be keen to do some design and be interested in our aesthetic, I guess. How likely are you, if you just get a manuscript of someone you've never heard of who's not part of that kind of that scene that you're in do you publish many that way not so or many you kind of have to be part of the I mean Bran came to us that way right um and a couple of others have um often New Zealand literary world is so small and since we require the author to be part of the production process it really helps if they're in Wellington and so you know I've like Sharon, for example, 
um, had met Branovan at a writers' festival a couple of years ago, and sort of introduced as working with this um, particular publishing group that would publish her lewd and frenetic, youthful, fantastic book um, when others might find it, I don't know, um, too good for them. I don't know why they wouldn't publish it. (laughs) It's too good and they can't handle publishing a really good book. So I'm not sure. Um, But yeah, it really has to meet the kind of either excessively morose sort of... um, French or German style novel, very depressing Euro. Um, what do they call it? Francophone, uh, Francophile or, yeah, something like that. Um, or it has to have this sort of socio-cultural satire um, and be interested and invested in politics like Milk Island by Ridian. Um, and that's not that many books in New Zealand. Um, do you yeah. think you are expanding the pool of that kind of book then? Or do you think it would be coming through anyway? Yeah, hard to know. I would say we are expanding it still, but it feels like there's been some changes at VUP. There's more editors there than ever before. I've got um, a range of commissioning editors. I mean, you know, it's probably rude of me to talk about what VUP's up to, but they <laughs> um, they publish good books. Um, and I guess I could say they're probably publishing stuff like that has a similar aesthetic. Um, trying to crush us probably, trying to crush us to death, um, to destroy their Wellington competition. I don't know. There's only a couple of other people who publish novels in Wellington, so I can see why they would want to destroy us. Um. (laughs) Um, You guys were, it seems like you must have been pretty young when you started this. Like, were you kind of in your 20s? 20s isn't young. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I was like 23, 24. Yeah. And do you kind of, um, are there things from the early days that you look back and you're like, oh God, why did we do that? Or what, you know, we've set up this whole thing based on some small decisions we made when we were young, or it turned out really well doing it when we were young for this reason. Yeah. If, if only we could recapture that, you know, like youthful exuberance and make up ideas like the Lawrence and Gibson Multipurpose Cooperative Society Limited. <laughs> you know, we don't have those ideas anymore. We're just sort of <laughs> husks of ourselves. Soon we're going to be writing really crappy cup of tea novels that are just like linear and, and terrible. <laughs> and we won't even recognize it until after the fact. Now, I look back on our first ones and I'm like, that's the gold. That was the best stuff. Yeah, and so if you- only I can recognize that in other writers and publish them rather than, I don't know, o- overlook them. And, yeah. mm. So we're nowhere near as good as we used to be. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't. It's that weird thing, right? You look back on things and sometimes... Sometimes you see it and you're like, wow, this is fantastic. This is brilliant. And other times you're embarrassed and shamed about it. Um, I looked at, um, yeah, it was just like this with another book I looked at the other day that I kind of had a a sense that wasn't great, but then I had a bit of a dip into it. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Why didn't this do better at the time? And yeah, so I mean, makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> you know, some of it's my perception, right? And yeah, I don't yeah. really trust myself or, or trust really anyone who's super close to something to assess it. Um, can all depend on your mood and how much you've had to eat that day too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, so you've obviously evolved a bit in the last 14 or 15 years. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm just wondering how much of that is 
deliberate and how much of it is kind of just the way things have gone with your changing collective members and everyone growing up or at least growing older? Yeah. I think it's... Growing older probably has something to do with it. Like, our last four books have probably... Maybe the last five books, or even six, anyway. The, there's been a lot more mainstream acceptance. Um, first, Branovan got longlisted for the novel of the year and then shortlisted. And being around for a while, and a lot of those people that we went to university with are now you know, running arts festivals and you know the um, books editors of a newspaper. And so... Sort of feels like we're at a point where we're a bit more accepted and a bit more mainstream. Shit, we were invited to the Prime Minister's Literary Awards <laughs> thing at her house, um, at Government House, the other week. Um, and that was kind of fun because you get to flirt with all the um, the old dames of New Zealand uh, literary world who are real, like, bawdy and have a few drinks and flirt with the young guys. So that was real nice. And so you weren't, um, the collective wasn't uh, blacklisted as a result of, on the conditions and possibilities of Helen no, Clark. If anything, we were whitelisted <laughs> by it. You know, this is, this is recrudescence, you know. The thing that we thought had gone away has suddenly come back. Um, yeah, Grant Robertson's aware of that book and aware of the, the collective, so I reckon he's, he was probably the guy to say, hey, CNZ. Actually, I mean, sure, we've been getting Creative New Zealand funding recently. So, you know, that's how mainstream we are. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to do something, really, to get rid of that. But <laughs> I don't know if we can be bothered. Brand's got kids and I've got a job or two. I don't know. What should we do to, you know, blow things up and well, yeah, regain I mean, our anarchist youth? <laughs> I thought you were kind of trying for it because there was a book or a um, brochure or something about Creative New Zealand. Um, yeah, there were two, two books. Really? Yeah. Um, you think that might kind of mix things up a bit? Yeah, although those were a while ago. Like the last one of those was maybe 2012. One was 2007. So we probably, but then if we repeat it again, it's just a, you know, it's just a hackneyed revival. Although I do like hackneyed revivals, you know, just for the sake of them, of doing things that you shouldn't do, even when you know you shouldn't do them. Yeah, a bit of, uh, what's what's the word? <laughs> Recrudescence. Oh, nice. <laughs> so what, sorry, were these critical of um, Creative New Zealand? Or what were, what were these old uh, it was projects? Uh, it was this big joke that it was a collected written correspondence between Richard Miros, who's one of our authors, and Creative New Zealand um, and it was, the, so the second one, were, the first one was under a Labour government and the whole basic theme of it was that, you know, sometimes you spend all your time making applications for funds for places like Creative New Zealand when really you should just be writing. And so there's a sort of bumbling character who writes all these applications and gets rejected and Creative New Zealand in this book is just as bumbling. And at the end he realises that he should have just been, you know, he's written like eight applications with, you know, you need a 10-page overview of your project if you're going to put that much effort into it and then you're not going to do it when they don't fund you. Mm. Um, you know, you do eight of those, then you might as well. I think I'd been chatting to a friend who was a writer who had had seven failures in a row with them. And so then I sort of thought, oh, well, throw all these all together and you've got a short story collection. But the second version of it was a lot more fun because it was under a national government. And so the character got hired by Creative New Zealand in this to restructure Creative New Zealand for a national government. <laughs> and the national government's torn between conservatism, um, 
cultural conservatism and like neoliberal co cost cutting. So to merge those into one, to re to change Creative New Zealand um, at a low cost um, with a conservative mindset, this consultant who was a character um, went to the word Creative New Zealand and took the C out from the front of it and put it halfway through to make Reactive New Zealand. And so that was the, yeah, that was the <laughs> sign above it from there. And so then the, yeah, the applications, the eight applications at that point were to Reactive New Zealand. It was a really good book. But yeah, I don't know. I think they like being messed with. They like being played with. You know, they're kind of arts background people, as long as we're not genuinely. Um, I don't know. I mean, even with the Helen Clark Young Lover book that was funded by Creative New Zealand when it became a play, so they have a little bit of, um, I don't know, interest in encouraging young folk to, um, I don't know, to be a little bit rebellious. <laughs> I don't know what proper rebellion would look like or proper <laughs> things that might actually threaten their existence or the sense of being. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's the problem with writing, eh? You've got to be imaginative and you don't know it until you've got it. Right? <laughs> right? I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, it sounds like you're exploring this a bit today. Uh, yeah. I guess it's just a way of thinking about, um, like, where do ideas come from? How do you get to something that didn't exist before? Um, and I guess I just have some faith in the ability of minds to come up with absolute and radically new things. Um, yeah. And if you give them time and space and enough good inputs and don't waste away with 40 hours a week of work a week, then sometimes you can come up with new ideas and fun ideas and put them on pages and they turn into even more wonderful things out there in the world. And then sometimes you don't and it's depressing. So, What about... Yeah. <laughs> Let's move you, move you along from that. Um, what about kind of creating an audience for these new ideas and the way that um, what you're doing is kind of received? Do you, I mean, do you think that you need to kind of create that space or are people there hungry for it? And how does the public kind of respond to you and what you're doing? We get reviewed in like all the places almost all the time, which is really surprising for us. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because we go to book launches at Unity all the time and shake the right people's hands and flirt with their wives and um, things like that, or, you know, like part of that scene, or if it's just because our books are interesting to them. I don't know. By flirt with wives, I just mean commit hideous faux pas that we get deeply embarrassed about um, in the Wellington literary scene. So I don't know. I really don't know. We don't do that much actively. Um, there's not a lot of money around. Like, maybe you could tell me what we should do to create <laughs> scenes. We have launch parties where bands play usually, but we didn't for the last one. Um, there was no band. And try and just... I mean, maybe through time, like, Unity's become a really good supporter because our books are always on their front table when they come out mm. and often get um, recommended by them. So, yeah, I don't feel like we do a particularly good job at marketing or reaching out to um, 
I don't know, I had this real depressing moment once where I walked down the street and looked at 100 people and tried to imagine how many of them would read one of our books. And this was like Willis Street in Wellington. And that is so depressing. You no, are totally making that up, though. No, no, it's true. Well, yeah, I'm projecting onto them, yeah. obviously. And maybe I was in a bad mood. but um, Maybe you're being uncharitable. Well, how many people are in New Zealand? We have 5 million people now. I mean, if you're an independent publisher, you'll, you're lucky to sell 500 copies of a book. Um, so, <laughs> Just because they don't buy it doesn't mean they haven't read it. Yeah, that's true. We love libraries having our books. I was wondering about that, because the library doesn't seem to have a massive coverage of your books. Is that fair? Um, they Wellington you? Central tended to. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, probably I would have thought they'd have... Certainly the most recent ones. There were a few that sort of back in the early days when they were falling apart a little bit. Mm. And maybe the other ones had fallen apart. Because mm. um, our machines didn't used to be as good for binding them as they are now. Um, yeah, I think all the recent ones. Gee, when Bran was shortlisted, I think there was a wait list of about uh, like 120 people for his novel at the Auckland libraries, and they had about nine or ten copies at one point. Um, I don't know how libraries work in terms of having them for a little bit because they have their own space restrictions. Yeah. They might keep the New Zealand ones a bit more. Yeah. With your the way that you're set up with everyone being involved in the whole process, the kind of guillotine binding business, why is that important for you to have everyone involved in that real practical stuff? Um, I mean, there's, there's like some very long reasons that I could give. Some of it's in to do with... In three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> some of it's to do with like... Um, of having collective spirit, of being with people in a space and that kind of creating the sense of the organisation. But another part of it is um, we probably wouldn't be able to survive if we weren't making the books ourselves. Like if we had to do a run of, say, a thousand copies of every single book to make it, um, to make it, I don't know, feasible. Um, so it does really help to have people committed to that. It also shows a degree of commitment to their books it shows that they might have like a sense of camaraderie-ness. I mean, you can look at political philosophy and sort of anarchist and um, theories about DIY and, and the pleasure you get out of making things rather than just sending it off to get them sent to you. Or you can look at Marxist theories about like alienation of labor where, you know, you get a much better feeling about a product if you, a meal, say, if you cook it yourself or a book if you make it yourself you're more connected to that and that marxist theory um but these days i think it's probably just a good test to see if someone's a dick or not if they're not prepared to make their own book then they're probably <laughs> going to be a real pain um, in other ways is that, I mean, <laughs> it's a wild generalization but it's the worst thing in the small publishing area there's not a lot of money in it you just don't want to work with people who uh, sort of selfish and, and miserable. Pretty well, miserable is fine, or, but mm. yeah. All righty. So we are at the end of our time for this oh, interview. Thanks for having um, me. <laughs> yeah, but before we go, next year, 15 years, we imagine there's going to be a big party or something and mm. all B-Sides listeners will be invited. Um, any titles that you want to tell us about coming up? Uh, 
philosophical um, directions in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple, but we're not quite, I haven't run it past the authors letting letting the wider public know yet. Right. But I do have some manuscripts on my desk. Well, you are being mysterious, aren't you? <laughs> it's what we do our best, yeah. <laughs> or maybe I don't know, maybe it's just bluff. Could be. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Murdoch. Thanks for having me. 